Amy Bishop, a Harvard graduate and a professor at the University of Alabama Huntsville, was unable to take negative feedback and was known to have a short fuse. So, when she was denied tenure, she decided to seek revenge by shooting her co-workers at a faculty meeting. This shooting was not the first time Amy has fatally shot someone, but was the first time she received criminal charges. This episode contains discussion of a school shooting, violence, and mental health. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. So Lexi, can you describe in your opinion what the stereotypical school shooter is? Yeah, um, I think that when I think of school shooter I unfortunately think of young adult white male um I think of like a high school age student to I don't know mid-20s range definitely think white male um just as I think that stereotype falls in line with serial killers as well so yeah that's definitely what comes to mind and I would agree I think that's the typical stereotype that a lot of people have But let me take you back to February 12, 2010 at the University of Alabama in Huntsville, and maybe this will change your perception just a little bit. So the biology department was having their routine staff meeting. Twelve staff members met to discuss curriculum. This is really routine. Some have them like every week, every month, quarterly. It all depends on kind of the university and the size of the staff. So one of those professors was a woman named Amy Bishop. And Amy was really quiet when she attended the staff meeting, which was incredibly strange for her. She was known for her intense outburst, but Amy being quiet was not really a surprise for people during this meeting because she had just been informed that she was not given tenure due to her teaching styles and erratic behavior. So everyone thought that she was just like pissed off and she was kind of sulking from the news. That's, like, enough to make a lot of professors really mad. Tenure's a big deal. Tenure is what every professor, I feel like, is trying to achieve. It gives them stability within the university that they're at. And it also increases their pay and gives them more flexibility on what they can be teaching. Oh, yeah. It gives them so much freedom. So much freedom. Every teacher I know is, like, wanting to get tenure or has tenure and that's like the big thing so it makes sense that like amy would have been mad like i think any professor would have been um but then the meeting started to wrap up and as everyone still thought amy was sulking it come to find out she wasn't sulking but she was plotting so the meeting was planned to wrap up at four and As they were finishing their last remarks, Amy got up, pulled out a Ruger 945 automatic pistol and started shooting. Oh my gosh. She essentially started shooting round robin at the table. One survivor said that it was not random shooting at all, that it was execution style. Those who were shot were on one side of the oval table. The five on the other side dropped to the floor. Amy filed several rounds, fatally hitting three co-workers. These co-workers' names are Gopi Padilla, 
which is the chairman of the biology department, Maria Raglan Davis, which was an associate professor of biology, and Adriel D. Johnson Sr., which was also an associate professor of biology. The three others that were injured were two professors and one staff assistant. And then Amy tried fatally shooting her old friend, Deborah Mortley, which was honestly one of her only friends that she had at the university. So Amy was not holding back from anyone and she went to pull the trigger on Deborah, but the gun clicked. So no one really knows what happened. It could have jammed or ran out of ammo. And Deborah is a hero in the situation. She had begged Amy to stop in that moment, taking advantage of the seconds that she had. And she took that gun clicking as a perfect time to push Amy out of the door. And then she gathered all the rest of the survivors and blocked the door with the round table that everyone was sitting at. That's crazy. Honestly, go Deborah. I was going to ask you if she had been aiming for those who she fatally hit. But then after hearing it, it sounds like she was just kind of shooting whoever, like just shooting the whole room. Everyone in that room was a target that day. And a lot of people within your department and college do play a role into you getting tenure or not. So a lot of them were part of the board that decided, including her friend Deborah. So I think that she just saw everyone as an enemy that day. I mean, some of these people were associate professors. Like some of them didn't even have tenure themselves. Right. But they were still planned victims of this. I think if she had more time, more ammunition, then sadly everyone could have been fatally shot that day. This just seems very manic and very extreme to me. Very, very extreme. I mean, obviously, any shooting, very extreme. But this, I feel like, I don't know if it's just because she's not the stereotypical mass shooter, but this is just really surprising to me. I think it does come as a surprise like we often don't hear about a lot of female shooters and especially like well-to-do professors at a nice university being at the forefront of such horrendous crimes. But I think it goes to show that like when people lose all like a sense of normalcy in their lives and they can be like really pushed, especially if they have like pre-existing aggressive triggers to commit heinous acts. So after Amy was pushed out the door, she ran out of the building and it was almost like shooting a bunch of people didn't even face her. She called her husband very calmly. Oh gosh. He didn't even suspect anything. And she just said that she had finished her work for the day. Amy at the time was teaching about five classes in total. So she just said she had finished teaching for the day and to be picked up. On her way out, she disposed of her jacket and gun in the girl's bathroom. And then she just walked out of the bathroom and out the front door of the building. That's so wild. That is so wild how that is the same level of like disconnect that we talk about with serial killers. 
with people that have a fixation on this high that you get from killing, which not always is associated with mass shootings, I feel like. A lot of school shooters that we have seen have decided to take their own life in the end because they, one, don't want to deal with the consequences, or two, they have like begun to realize the extent of their actions. And... Or if they don't take their own lives and they do try running away, but for someone just to be like, hey, babe, come pick me up, like, ready to go, you know, finish, finish my work for the day. Just tossed a gun in the girl's bathroom. Like, it is pretty. Yeah, it is. I feel like this is a lot different of a situation than what is normally on the news. So as she walked out, her husband was actually just like pulling up in perfect timing. And this was at the same time that the school was going on lockdown and the police started to really surround the building. So immediately, as soon as police saw her, they arrested her. And this is where she denies her involvement in the shooting. She states it didn't happen. There's no way. And then when she was asked by the police, like, okay, what about your dead colleagues that you just shot? She replied, there's no way. Like, they're all still alive. Like, I just left the meeting. What? My husband's here to pick me up. Girl. Imagine being the husband, though, and, like, seeing that. Yeah. Not just, like, someone casually getting arrested. Like, that. there has to be, like, so many police officers, like, shoving her to the ground. Just sitting there as the husband. Come to find out your wife is a school shooter. Yeah, I don't think that was, like, their conversation over coffee in the morning either so definitely not so this is such a heinous act and it's not something that someone just plans to do overnight so i'm going to take you back to the very beginning of amy just to kind of understand who she was and how this happened so amy was born on april 24th 1965 and her parents were really educated They were very almost unloving in a sense where they prioritized her education and her extracurriculars over essentially like coddling her and telling her like, I love you. You're great. You're smart. It was more like, why didn't you get A's on all of your Mm. assignments today? Yikes. That creates bad things. It does. Those kind of situations, like, relationships with your parents it doesn't allow you to accept failure at any point and it creates like tensions and the need to always succeed so she grew up in massachusetts and she attended a braintree high school and then her dad was a professor at northeastern university in boston and that's where amy ended up going for undergrad her dad was actually an art professor but she went And studied science there. While she was an undergrad in the year 1986, when Amy was 21, towards the end of her, like, undergrad four years, she actually went home for a little bit. And home was not far away from her college. It's where her dad worked. So she could hitch a ride with her dad at any point of any day. Um, And then whenever she was home for that weekend, she ended up having an argument with her little brother, Seth. But the argument was said and done as siblings are, you know, you just bicker with each other. He ended up leaving to go grocery shopping with his mom. 
And then when they came back, Amy had asked Seth if he could help her unload a 12-gauge pump-action shotgun. So Seth was like, okay, sure. That's so random. I feel like that's so random. I just had to, like, stop for a second. Yeah, so the family did experience a robbery a little while prior. So Amy had learned how to use a shotgun. Um, But I don't just pull out a shotgun when my family goes to the grocery store. No. Yeah. Like, the number one of gun safety is it's, it's not a toy either. And that just sounds like it's like... Why are you asking your brother to help you unload, like randomly unload a 12 gauge shotgun? Like, so strange. Anyways, gun safety either do it out of range, do it outside, not in tight, close quarters. Amy didn't know how to use a shotgun to at least a certain extent. She had fired it before. So, as the brother went to go help Amy, Amy actually ended up firing two shots. Fired one directly into Seth's chest and then the <gasps> other into her bedroom wall. Oh my gosh. This ended up fatally killing Seth. Oh my gosh. That is so terrible. It's like... That's so terrible. So originally this was viewed as an accident. However, as soon as Amy committed this accident, quote unquote, she then ran to a car dealership. While she was running with the gun... She pointed the gun at a moving vehicle trying to get it to stop so she could steal the car. And then when she finally got to the dealership, she started waving the gun around saying like it was a robbery. She need to give her a car. The employees were just like, girl, bye. Like you're you're not getting a car from us. Um, So after like they called the police, she surrendered and she was arrested. What is interesting, though, is they found another bullet in the chamber of the gun when they arrested her. So she reloaded. She reloaded after she had shot and killed her brother. So that that really does throw out the this is an accident thing in my opinion that reload is to make sure the job's done unless yeah it is for yourself because you are so upset about what you had committed very true but after a brief investigation the police ruled that the shooting was in fact was an accident however police officers found this ruling very unacceptable police officers that were working in the scene of the crime because Amy's mother had been known to be one of the biggest political supporters of the police chief at the time. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, honestly. So Amy's mother essentially helped run his whole campaign and was actually one of his very first supporters even before he was elected. So a lot of the police that were a part of this crime scene, had accused her mother of essentially ordering the then police chief to rule as an incident. And to make matters more suspicious, after the shooting, the records from the crime had disappeared by 1988. Just two years after 
that this incident took place, the records were gone, not to be found. Not detailed reports, at least. There was like a brief summary of what had happened, but there had been no detailed reports left. That day, she could have been charged with at least assault with a dangerous weapon, carrying a dangerous weapon, or unlawful possession of ammunition for her actions at the dealership, but she also was not charged for that. And to make matters more interesting, just two weeks prior to Amy shooting her brother, in Montana, parents of an actor was killed by an assailant welding a 12-gauge shotgun who then went to a car dealership, stole a pickup truck, and fled. Is that like you're saying that could be her? No, I'm not saying that could be her. I'm just saying that she could have potentially been inspired by that. Okay. Okay. That That was my next question, if it was going to be more of like an inspiring thing. It's just very suspicious that this made national news. And then two weeks later, Amy literally did the exact same thing. Yeah, because she doesn't have any connection to a car dealership or anything. No, she's a biology major. (laughs) Yeah, and it's not like her, her dad or her mom worked at a car dealership. So why was that your first, like, place to go after you just literally killed your brother? Was, oh, let me run to a car dealership. I wouldn't think that. Nobody would think that. It's also unless not like she shot someone random, like she shot her own brother. Like right. they Why know do you have who no she emotional is. response. Like if she's yeah. trying to flee, she can't just no get away. Response. So No, you cannot. That yeah. is cannot. Amy's red flag number one. Okay. Then we're going to move to 1993. Amy's record, there's nothing on it by this point. She was found innocent of the shooting, and she goes to earn her PhD in genetics at Harvard University. So big congratulations at this point. That's really impressive. I will never get a PhD from Harvard. Pop off. Pop off, honestly. And PhD from Harvard's a real deal. Yeah, this is where she meets her husband at Harvard. They actually met playing Dungeons and Dragons, just showing kind of like the nerdy side of Amy and her husband. So her husband's name is Jimmy Anderson. But when Amy started dating him, she made him go by James. What do you mean she made him? Like that was a nickname or she made him to other people go by James? So after they started dating, Jimmy took Amy to his parents' house to introduce them. And Amy essentially told her, his parents that he was now James and just after a couple like it was like 30 minutes of them being there Amy made them leave his parents house so this is kind of where I think that Amy was starting to get control of Jimmy James Anderson but That's just such a weird way to try to have control is to like to Jimmy and James are very similar names to in my eyes, unless she thought that James sounded more sophisticated or something like that. But that could honestly also be a very possible explanation. She wanted people to see her as some incredibly smart person 
So James is a more formal name to go by. So though she earned her PhD at Harvard, some of the people that she actually worked with say that she barely earned it, that she had poor work quality, that she was undeserving, and they actually called her dissertation being approved as a local scandal. That's wild. That's like to say that she was undeserving of the doctoral degree. That's like a big thing to say. Like I feel like there's a lot of respect that result that revolves around like PhD candidates um, for each other. So to say that she was undeserving of the doctoral degree says a lot. Get a doctoral degree. You, your dissertation goes through rounds and rounds of approval process. Her dissertation was titled The Role of Methoxin and the Respiratory Burst of Bagites. So very smart. I don't know what that means. Uh, I even looked more into it. Didn't understand a single thing. But apparently a lot of her lab mates just thought that she was essentially just mooching off of the other people in her work. After she got her PhD, though, she was hired right away, of course, as one is with a PhD from Harvard. She started working at the Harvard Children's Hospital Neurology Lab. And this is where her first rocky relationship with her supervisor really showed. Her supervisor was named Paul Rosenberg. Paul had actually given Amy a negative evaluation, and this sent Amy over the edge. She quit because of it. It made her so upset. Her, She said that she was on the verge of a nervous breakdown and just didn't really understand why she was getting this negative evaluation from her supervisor. It sounds like that's really a trigger for her then, is stuff around job slash school, um, which makes sense since we were talking about her parents being really hard on her in those kind of areas in life. Amy thought that she was one of the smartest people to ever walk this earth. And she had said that on multiple, multiple occasions. So I don't think that she could just fathom why she wasn't praised in all the work that she did. Her quitting actually calls her husband to threaten Paul, saying that he wanted to shoot, stab, or strangle him for what he did to Amy. Then, coincidentally... Days after Amy left the job, her former boss, Paul, receives a strange package. And this is all during the time of the Unabomber, for those that don't know. Yeah. Kaczynski, he would send pipe bombs to a bunch of different people. I think he sent to news outlets. He sent it to hospitals. And, like, scientists and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, because he he didn't believe in the whole, the system as a whole. So he targeted, like, literally everybody. Yeah. Nobody was safe. Yeah. So Paul could have easily been a victim of the Unabomber. He started opening the package and noticed that it was really strained and immediately stopped. So he called for, and the bomb squad came. And sure enough, they did found a pipe bomb in this package that Paul got. However, 
it definitely wasn't the Unabomber because the Unabomber would travel down and send packages through the mail. That's how he got his packages out. This package had stamps on it to be sent out, but it never actually went through USPS. Because you know how they stamped... So somebody took it... Yeah. Yeah, they stamped them to say when it was, like, packaged or sent, and there was nothing to indicate that it was sent and never was like, placed on his desk from someone inside the hospital that had access. Yikes. So, when police asked Paul, hey, man, like, who are your enemies? The only person that he had to name was Amy. Rightfully so. And her husband had just threatened him days prior, saying that he was going to kill him. So... Of course, the two were investigated, but at the end of the day, no charges were pressed. They just couldn't find the evidence. They searched their house, but there wasn't just enough evidence to prosecute them. So this is red flag number two at this point. Moving on to red flag number three, on March 16th, 2022, Amy and her family went to an IHOP in her town, and she wanted a high chair for her child. However, the last high chair had just been used, like just given to a family, and Amy lost it. She started yelling at the woman that had the last high chair, saying profanities, demanded that she be given the chair, and then when the woman refused, Amy punched her in the head. How does this woman have a professional career? She has no record. That is just so insane to me. What, like, that is such a violent outburst. Literally, she has no record at this point. And while she, Amy was, like, yelling at this woman, she was yelling, I am Dr. Amy Bishop. Give me the chair. Girl. Even when the restaurant manager came over trying to calm her down, she kept screaming that she was Dr. Amy Bishop. Oh, my gosh. I have a bone to pick with people who insert their doctor title on others. That really bothers me. But, two, this is in 2002. She's like an OG Karen. Yeah. (laughs) Over a booster seat? Yeah. Over a booster seat. You're going to get that worked up? Yeah. So that's wild. Eventually they got her to leave and the manager like wrote down her license plate and filed a report. And when Amy was charged, she had the audacity to say that the other woman was the aggressor. Like, girl, be real. (laughs) Of course she did. Of course she did. Because she has this victim status that every it's like a victim status slash I'm better than everybody else. It's the perfect combo for a Karen. This trend is definitely starting to show that Amy kind of can't take accountability for anything. And when she doesn't give it her way, she does start to have these really aggressive outbursts. So when the trial eventually came, she did plead guilty and she received probation. And she was told to attend anger management classes, but her husband said that she never actually attended those. So just a year after... Amy hit a woman in an IHOP. She she got her job at the University of Alabama Huntsville. She was teaching under the biological science department as an assistant professor. 
And this was kind of her first professor job. She had worked at Harvard, of course. But her and her husband before this were actually kind of just working odd lab jobs. And they couldn't really keep anything. That's super weird. That's super weird. Because if she's supposed to be this, like, Miss Thang, like, smart doctor, why are you working odd lab jobs and don't have a successful six, seven, eight-figure job? Like, they were barely making by. Wow. So by this point, they had two kids. Um, one of the, the son was actually named after her brother. But they could barely keep afloat. And I think like just showing the fact that she was really only keeping lab jobs kind of proved that like people didn't want her around. And they didn't want her around for long. So Amy at first was really successful at the University of Hunt- Alabama Huntsville. Her and her husband actually created this like portable cell incubator and they were awarded $25,000 for the invention. But while great, a lot of people thought that it was actually just like a waste of time and that there could be something better and less expensive out there. So it was like, yay, go, go you, but mm, whatever. Um, and simultaneously, Amy was taking up writing at this time. So she was the second cousin to novelist John Irving. And she told everyone that writing was in her blood and she was actually going to leave academia at some point because she was going to be producing like bestsellers day in and day out. She had a publisher, but never had a publication ever. That's just really cringy. Amy thinks she's hot shit. (laughs) Yeah, she thinks her shit don't stink. (laughs) And I have news for her. Okay, everybody's does equally. And... I don't like that you're like, oh, I'm going to leave academia. I'm the Dr. Amy because my books are so good. But you're barely making by, girl. You're barely making by and you have no publications. Yep. Like, if you're going to act like you're the shit, like have receipts for it is my thing. Members of her writing club said that she literally would very frequently cite her Harvard degree, as she is a doctor, and her family ties to Irving to boost her credentials as a serious writer. Um, one, another person described her as smart but abrasive constantly, and that she was entitled. I would call this red flag number four for Amy. So as Amy spent more time of UAH, her colleagues began to actually like grow concerned over behavior and kind of just like start to not like her. She was described as constantly interrupting meetings with bizarre tangents, left field kind of stuff, strained and crazy. So this is kind of what they were expecting that fateful night, but she was quiet that day. Her regular professor, which for those that don't know, is a website where students just go online after you take a class and like rate your professor see and other people can see how like easy the class is if there's a lot of tests that kind of thing so some of the ratings that she got was she gets off on random ass shit all the time and it's so completely scatterbrained dr bishop is brilliant her research is 
fascinating. She will surely get the Nobel Peace Prize. She's the best teacher I've ever had. Her lectures are disorganized. Dr. Bishop is very intelligent, but a horrible teacher. So it was like kind of mixed, you know, like. And I feel like that's kind of what we see yeah. a lot with Ray White Professor. I mean, like I've looked at 100 Ray White Professors for like people I've looked thought about going classes with. Oh, yeah. I would I would look at that before I made my schedule. Yeah. And you get you always have people that really love the professor. And that's where you like get so optimistic about the class. And then you have other people that are like, do not take. Um, but it's really kind of crazy that people thought that she was worthy of a Nobel Prize. Like some people really thought that she was the real deal. I think we've all been a bit blinded by professors at times. That's true. Or, you know, people in your lives. They don't, I mean, these students don't necessarily know her outside of a specific setting either. But that is like, that is a glowing review that when you read it to me, I almost thought that it was sarcastic too. So I don't know. That is true. And especially if you're taking like an entry-level class, like a 101, then you kind of don't know if she's full of shit or not. So if you could just think she was truly brilliant until like you get to the upper levels and you're like, actually, what the heck is she talking about? And Amy used her brazen personality. Do you think that she was above the steps needed to achieve tenure? She did not publish the required amount needed for like scholarly journals. And that's a really big thing that's required amongst most universities is you have to have research continuously out there and publications out there. And she thought that her invention was the end all be all essentially for her to get tenure. Yeah, that's not how it works. She also did not receive the respect from her peers or students. She actually dismissed several graduate students from her lab and others like pleaded to be transferred out. In 2009, several UAH students said that they complained to administration about her on at least three different occasions, saying that she was ineffective in the classroom. And she had just really unsettling ways about her and the way she taught. A petition was signed by at least a dozen students asking for her removal, um, and that was sent to the department head. So I'm going to go ahead and say that her teaching style was red flag number five. Amy, again, just refused to act professionally, and then she would often state that she just didn't need to adhere to the same rules in general, and she needed to be respected by everyone. She didn't have to respect others because her and her husband were geniuses and it was essentially like a privilege to talk to her. The audacity. Like, how is one such a narcissist? Like, that's wild. Yes, I will give it to her. She's smart. But she's not like Da Vinci out here, like creating the world. You might, you can be the smartest person. Here's my... Here's my wise words of the day (laughs) coming from an extreme procrastinator at times. You can be one of the smartest people in the room, but if you're not putting work behind that, 
then it means nothing. She's not making any publications. She's not doing any research and making publications for that. She hasn't done anything beyond her invention with her husband. So it's like, where's your actions to back up your words? That's why so many people are not going to respect her because she's acting like she's all that, but really she has nothing to back it up. There's also never been an IQ test to like prove that she is this extreme genius. Like if you want people to like look at you as like the Hail Mary of everything, then at least again, yeah, have proof that you qualify to be a genius. So by March 2009, her peers were kind of just done with her and they had all been a part of her 10-year board. So her peers, including her best former best friend, had voted and Amy was denied tenure. This would cause her contract to end the following year, March 2010. Of course, Amy was livid at this, as we can expect. She actually filed a complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, saying that this was a sex discrimination and that's why she was denied tenure. There was a whole investigation launched and, of course, Amy just didn't have the substance to show that this was discrimination against her. She even went as far as approaching several members of the university's board of trustees and hired a lawyer who was finding one problem after another with the process. At one point, she disputed whether two of her papers that had been published at the time count towards tenure or not. And she had approached the university president on several occasions to the point that he actually felt unsafe by her. Girl, like, take the L. (laughs) Take the L peacefully and, like, be classy about it. This is, like, at that point, it's embarrassing that you're acting like that. So feeling, like, if Amy could have done, would have done things differently after her, like, she did not receive tenure, you can re-argue tenure. And she could have possibly even stayed on for another year working to get tenure again. But... She thought that they were, of course, nothing wrong with what she did, that it was everyone else that was voting for her that they were the problem. And the whole process itself was the problem. Of course, her husband sided with her, saying she deserved tenure and was fit for it and would fight for, like, fight the long haul. Um, But it seemed as time went on that Amy knew she was losing the fight And that will take us all the way back to the shooting. So following Amy's arrest from the shooting, she was charged with one count of capital murder and three counts of attempted murder. The police confiscated her computer, her family's minivan, and a large binder containing the documents containing to retain your battle. On February 15th, during a closed-door hearing presiding with an Alabama judge presiding, the charges were read to Amy, and her husband thought that she seemed A-okay after this hearing. He said that, yeah, same old Amy, like, she's good to go. Like, your life sentence is being read to you out loud, and she just didn't care. On March 12th, a month later, 
while executing a search warrant at Bishop's residence. The police actually discovered a suspicious device. They evacuated the whole neighborhood because they thought that she had a pipe bomb. But the bomb squad deemed whatever suspicious device this was as non-explosive. Which does not mean... Yikes. ...that it wasn't going to be a pipe bomb. Right. And it just means that it wasn't set up. It just means... Yeah, it wasn't assembled fully yet. So this could circle all the way back to the pipe bomb that was sent to her last supervisor. Was it Amy? Was it not? Who knows? And... While Amy was in jail, people did go and talk to her. And she actually said that she did not remember the shooting. And they just said that she had like kind of a loose grip on reality during this time. And a couple of years later, she did get treated for paranoid schizophrenia. So all of this could play into that fact. But. Wow. It was very. My jaw's on the floor. <laughs> My jaw's on the floor. I thought I'm over here thinking that she wasn't suffering from like mental illness at all so that's wild i and it the paranoid schizophrenia at some point just kind of makes sense because she handles rejection and like the thought of failure in such a negative way time and time again so it could have truly been underlining her whole life but that is not something that we are qualified (laughs) to say um And then on June 16th, 2010, so a couple months after she was arrested for the shooting, she was actually charged with first-degree murder of her brother's death. So this is 24 years after he was shot. So, yeah, so far. They did a full-on reinvestigation of it, and they were going to charge her with the rest of the crimes from that day, but the statute of limitations was up, and so they couldn't. Um, but they went ahead and charged her for these crimes. So that new police, the new police chief was actually one of the cops during the original incident. And so he thought that her original verdict was ridiculous and was assisting with the new trial. This tore Amy up and just two days after she was, Received these charges, she actually tried to commit suicide. Oh, goodness. So it's just like, I guess she could just not. Some one of her friends did say that Amy was working her whole like scientific, like research career to for her brother in honor of him. But then you look at the actual evidence of that night and you're like, are you guilty of it or? Right. My thing is, is like, I would like to think that everybody has a chance to change and to grow. I mean, this was years later. But then she continued to have violent incidents in her life post what happened to her brother. And then was the perpetrator of a mass shooting. So it's like, were you really trying to uphold his life and like uh what's it called trying to honor him through your research but still you're doing all these violent things like that's what makes it hard to believe or were you just trying to have an excuse for the people that did know what happened 
and show that you were truly innocent the whole time. I think the argument could really go either way. So a couple months after she was charged with her brother's murder, November 2010, two of the survivors actually followed, filed a lawsuit against her and her husband to recover some damages. And then a couple months after that, January 2011, wrongful death lawsuits from two families were filed against her, her husband, and the university. However, in September 2011, Amy did plead not guilty by means of insanity. Girl. Girl, be so real. Be so real right now. What I thought was so interesting is that in 2012, a spouse of one of the murdered professors actually wrote a letter to the judge that was presiding over the case, and this letter calls Amy's lawyers to discuss with the prosecution about her sentencing because all the survivors actually stated that they did not want Amy to face death penalty. So they truly had more remorse for her in the situation than she has shown for them this whole time. Wow. Dang. So this caused Amy to just be sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole no death sentence on September 24, 2012. And then after pleading guilty, she waived her right to appeal, but then appealed that on February 13, 2013. She said that she was not informed of her actual rights that she would be waiving and the punishment that she would be receiving. So she wants the option to appeal her case. This was rejected, of course, on April 26, 2013. And we start to see Amy's remorse in 2015. She did end up apologizing for the shooting while she was writing a letter to the court saying that her lawyers were insufficient. She said that she committed a terrible crime and that she was terribly sorry for the victims and her families and her family. But... Amy did take the lives of three people and did harm many more. If Amy was investigated for the murder of her brother, three lives may have been spared in 2010 and prevented trauma from several more. The mind of Amy Bishop is very complex and her story is even more so. The University of Alabama Huntsville is forever changed due to her heinous acts. Next week on Uneasy, join us as we discuss the smiley face killer conspiracy. Some believe there is a serial killer or network of killers that are targeting boys in their 20s. We will discuss this conspiracy and provide you with all the information you need. Make sure to tune in wherever you find your favorite podcast. Mm -hmm.